Welcome to the first episode of Fearless Frustrations. I'm your co-host, Soma Lambert. To my left side here, Noah Nett. Noah, pleasure working with you this morning. And this is the show pretty much where we give you the week of sports and our frustrations. So without any further ado, Noah, let's get right into some of the most frustrating things that we've seen in the last week in sports. I want you to go ahead and start off one for me. Over the last week, there was a pretty shocking trade for me. It was Paul Goldschmidt to the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, I saw that, and my, my first impression is just, really? But then I look at the haul that they got in return, and it was nothing. I mean, please elaborate. Yeah, so we got uh, Luke Weaver, who's a starting pitcher, and he hasn't even had one decent season yet. He's uh, going for about 5 ERA every single season, which is... And Paul Goldschmidt's arguably the best first baseman in baseball. Oh, yeah. He is by far the best first baseman in the MLB for me. Like, he's batting around 300 every year, high on base percentage, uh, probably the best fielding first baseman. And uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks are actually a contender almost every single season with Paul Goldschmidt, so I just couldn't fathom this. The thing was, the Diamondbacks were just a few games out of they, they were leading that, that NL West for a, a long period of time, and then out of nowhere they dipped off, and then somehow the Rockies were the ones that were able to... Uh, the I believe the Dodgers won the division in the end, but the Rockies were able to grab that wild card, which was crazy to me. Yeah, the Rockies, they were going on a pretty crazy stretch towards the end of the season, and they just got that wild card spot. They were able to string it together with uh, three different catchers and really go at it, so... Um, yeah, I just I just still can't understand why the Diamondbacks would get away with a uh, clearly all-star asset for just some change is how I see the, it. The, my favorite part of all of this, though, is that he went to the Cardinals, which I feel like is just the perfect team for him, though. I mean, obviously you had Albert Pujols over there for the good years of Albert Pujols, and then he went over to Anaheim, and yeah, uh, but... This Cardinals team finished, what, 88 and and just a few games uh, from missing the postseason, too. And now they got Goldie on first base. Yeah, they were they were around with, that. What, Holiday, Matt Holiday, and, you know, Yadier Molina still somehow playing baseball. I feel like I've been watching yeah, him since I was a little kid. he's been around a while for sure. All right, well, I'll take the reins next. That was your frustration. Let me share with you one of mine. And it's something that we, we were talking about just before we came on the air here. LeVar Ball, man. Oh, that oh guy he's wilder. He's wild. My 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 favorite part though is he's been tamed over the last like year. We haven't really heard too much. He's been too focused on Lamelo and and his development. I think to really give his his two cents into what Lonzo's doing. Oh, for sure. And now that he knows that Lonzo's going to be potentially traded to New Orleans or who knows what team at this point, there's all these trade rumors going around. He just knows he has free reign now. He doesn't need to 
be held back by the Lakers management now. I feel like he's just like, mm-hmm. hmm, I can say whatever I want again. We're definitely going to get into some the NBA trade deadlines on Thursday, uh, two days from now, obviously. So we're definitely going to get into that whole Lakers-Anthony Davis issue. But let's focus on LeVar Ball because we'll, we'll open this up a little bit. So pretty much LeVar came out yesterday, as in Monday, uh, February 4th. This is February 5th. Uh, my my days are getting all kinds oh, of crazy yeah. lately. I I was on the air calling a game on Tuesday, and I said it was Saturday. Anyway, um, so Lavar came out and said that his son Lonzo is not going to play for New Orleans. Just straight up, not going to play there, uh, as as if he has a say in where his son goes. That's that's the most frustrating. Like he has a role in the front office of the Lakers, which is ridiculous. And he also thinks he's like Lonzo's agent, yeah. and like he's like oh. My son will play anywhere I feel he will play. But that opened up, besides the fact that LeVar is crazy and insane, it makes me mad every time ESPN gives him the headlines that that he gets. But it, it made me start to think, wow, would a Booker, Lonzo Ball, and DeAndre Ayton big three be something to grow? That would be a really good foundation. That would be crazy. And, you know, they're still going to be able to get a really high draft pick this next draft because they're just not playing very well. They're towards the bottom in the West, and it's really hard to even be a contender in the West this because is, this there's is where, so many good people. This is where I look at it. The Suns are two years away from being really really good deandre or excuse me devin booker is already an all-star he's just oh, playing yeah. on a 10 win team he's not gonna guy put up 70 points and an l for my celtics fans out there i have a lot of them so i, I can't disrespect him like that that game ended up in an l but he still put up 70 in the garden man you oh, come on sure. this kid's a an offensive a top three offensive weapon in this league on any given night Hands down. Okay, well, that is that is my first frustration. Let's go back to you for a sec now, Noah. What do you got for me? Okay, this one's been getting at me for a while. Kyler Murray, does he choose baseball or football? I like it. I like it. Okay, so let's let's say this for what it is. First of all, the money, right? Oh, yeah. You can make way more money playing baseball. Football well, for football, him. Football, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, first round, you're graded as a first round pick. That was really what tipped it over, I think, for him. Is he started, mm-hmm. wow, I can go 10 maybe. And, you know, the, these teams are pretty. I was reading this article that said uh, Kyler Murray has all the power because pretty much, oh, yeah. you know, he can tell any front office that he wants, hey, you draft me, I'm just going to go play baseball. I don't want to play for you. I mean, pretty much. But I don't know. What do you think? What, what's your take? So Kyler Murray is going to be a fairly good uh, ground ball hitter in the MLB. He's not much of a power guy, but he has a really good outfield speed cover potential. Um, You could potentially put him in the infield. He's really good at fielding the ball in any way. And um, in football, He's undersized, but his Heisman era Oklahoma was fantastic. So it's just like, okay, you're going to get him like some value wherever you have him to go, but it's really confusing all these teams because, okay, say you're in baseball or football and you draft him, you put all this money into this guy and he's like, oh, I'm not going to play your sport. Just gets me going. This is this is what it breaks down to me for me also. 
could he be a better baseball player or a better football player? The this the short quarterback argument to me yeah. just doesn't work anymore. We've seen what Russell Wilson can do. Oh, Drew I mean, Brees. Drew Brees, obviously the the short quarterback argument just but it's not the fact that he's short. He's brittle. Oh yeah. I, I was having the same arguments with friends about Lamar Jackson when he was coming yeah. uh, and how his style is just not gonna hold up. And the same thing happened with RG3. Remember how RG3 used to play? Oh, yeah. And RG3 gets a brittle. couple leg breaks, and it, now he's mm-hmm. just an average backup. I mean, I, I look at Kyler Murray, and yeah, the guy's, uh, you know, is he on the Patrick Mahomes level of arm talent? Absolutely no. not. But it, to me, I just, in a, in a draft where the quarterback really isn't where it has been the last few drafts, I think people are looking at, oh, Kyler Murray, he's the best quarterback. He won the Heisman. I mean, yeah, he's, he's automatically the best quarterback. Five. I I just see, you know, you got a couple other guys at quarterback. You know, Daniel Jones from Duke is pretty good. And uh, mm-hmm. you got uh, – Long-term, though, yeah. long-term, which sport would he make more money in, baseball or football? I would say if he Because I'm saying baseball. If he is able to translate – his college play and elevate it like he did in baseball, he'll get one of those crazy max deals that you can get for 10 plus years Mm. in baseball. If he's able to stay healthy in football, he's going to get money right away because draft picks in the first round, second round make quite a bit now. So I would say if he can translate the baseball ability, that would be the best option. Let's stick with the baseball theme here because my next frustration is something that's been, mm, I, I get I get heated talking about it a little bit because I got a, a friend that's a big Bryce Harper fan. I'm not a big Bryce Harper fan. I don't I don't buy into the. Uh, I'm not a big OBJ fan either. I'm not I'm not about the the flamboyancy and like I get it, I do and I can appreciate it to an extent, but not Bryce Harper. He pisses me off. Okay. I'm not going to lie. He straight pisses me off. And thank you for uh to the podcast realm for not being FCC regulated so I can say such mm-hmm. things. Anyway, this whole Bryce Harper decision and where he's going has taken too long. Way too long. Am I right or wrong? I agree with it that it's taken a long time. Like he's enjoying himself just toying around and like, I, can, I get it. If I was in the same position, yeah. I'd have some fun too. But spring training is right around the corner. Yeah, bro. it's LeBron decision-esque to me yeah. where he took a really long time. But the one thing I have to say about Bryce Harper is he is a guy who can consistently get on base and any team would want him. So he's kind of... Looking at some of the teams you wouldn't expect, like kind of the, the Padres, Padres right yeah. now. How about the Padres and their chances? I mean, when was the last time we saw the San Diego Padres in any sense of the word postseason? Yeah, they actually have a pretty good foundation. They did a lot of good acquisitions last year, but um, they're they're just like a couple good players away from being that caliber team, and Bryce Harper could do it, but... Oh, you're going to have to pay him the max to get him. And the the thing is, the Nationals, apparently, with what I've been reading, still have a chance in this battle, which is outstandingly strange to me. This whole time, can you imagine just this whole time he ends up going back to the Nationals? I would be furious. Yeah, it's Especially like, if I'm the Dodgers, Yankees, Phillies, and, you know. Well, and why waste the Nationals' time at that point? It's like, okay, why didn't you just re-sign him? You already knew you liked him to begin with. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's move on down the list. Let's get to your last frustration here. And looking at the script, I'm anxious to hear this one. So okay. so please okay. elaborate. So this one is, you know, I'll probably get a little pushback on it, but I feel Zion Williamson is really overhyped right now. I'm not saying he's not going to have a successful NBA career, but I don't even think he's the best player on that Duke squad. How many Duke games have you watched? Many. Many? Many. Who who do you think is the best player? I like R.J. Barrett. You like R.J. Barrett. Obviously, anyone should like R.J. Barrett. To me, the only thing that I think is overhyped is his absolute no question that he's going to be the number one overall pick. Exactly. Because in this in this league nowadays, you look at R.J. Barrett. Wow. Yeah. The guy's a horse in transition. I mean, can can shoot. He's not the best shooter, but what what great player coming out of college has ever been a great. I mean, except for the Steph Curry's and the Ray Allen's yeah. of the world, whatever. But no, MJ wasn't a great shooter coming out. LeBron had to work on it. Ben Simmons obviously can't oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you look at R.J. Barrett, and it's there. And the same thing I can say for Zion. He shoots that flat-footed yeah. flick of the, the, the wrist three. Uh, it's 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 there. It's not as broken-looking as Ben Simmons' shot is. Yeah, his is really. But bad. here's here's my argument. When I watch Duke games, I could I. So I, I look at Zion, I compare I compare him to three different caliber players. Right, he's got the burst and just. The the burst. I'm just yeah. gonna of Russell Westbrook. Oh, for hands sure. down. Yeah. I look at him. It's like this guy is 280 pounds and plays like Russ. That's enough for me already yeah. to say he's going to be a transcendental, uh, transcendental player in the NBA. And then I look at just his his the way he plays, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously he he's got the complete bag. I mean, I was with you for a little bit. All the yeah. analysts were like hyping him up and I'm watching him play. And obviously the, the dunks and it's outstanding, but what about his game can really translate into how the NBA plays right now? Yeah. So he's going to be your bulldozer going kind of guy that really works, but uh, it's to be to determine how well he's going to have outside and mid-range shooting that a lot of players need. He's really effective at the college level. And there's a different style of guarding in the NBA compared to the college level. I'm, I'm excited to see what he – but the thing is when – He's gonna have to. He's gonna play the small ball five. People look at that guy's. Oh, he's yeah. he's already coming into this the NBA a top five shot blocker of all time. Yeah, he's. I, like I, re- a- I really. <laughs> that's a lot of disrespect to the, <laughs> some of the great shot blockers, but the the guy leaps out of the building for his blocks. Oh, for sure. He reminds me of kind of like the Draymond Green workhorse kind of guy, but he's a better shooter than Draymond Green at, at the college level right now. And Draymond Green's not the best shooter right now. But if you're able to work your size into it and actually perform. But there's bigger guys at the NBA level. I mean, a lot of guys are lean and quick now. And I wonder how much of like his speed is actually going to translate. Because some of the college guys aren't as, aren't as into the speed and quickness off the ball to be able to score. So there's some things to be determined. But... I feel there's just other guys that aren't being looked at because people are like, oh, he is the best player and he's the only player to look at. I think Rui Hachimura is a really oh, yeah. good guy to look at. He, right needs to, now. he needs to stretch his game out to the perimeter a little bit. Oh, that's, for the, sure. that's the only complaint I have against Rui, but <clears throat> I, I'm a big, I'm a yeah. big, uh, big Zags fan. I love me some hot Rui Hachimura. Um, 
there's some good big, uh, college basketball players coming out this year. Oh, for sure. Uh, I don't Duke know if, has three of them. I don't know if you've gotten to see that kid from Murray State, John Morant. Oh, yeah. He's good. He's good. He's long. I think he. Mm, I think he's going to end up a Phoenix Sun. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really think so. He's going to fill that void. Let's go ahead and move on from the Zion Williamson talk, though. I'm going to share my last frustration, then we're going to move on to another game here, okay? I, I, I want to talk about this. I saw this is kind of just a nice little thing I saw on Twitter, but it really it pissed me off. I'm not. Okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with that theme. It was Patrick Mahomes just pulling up to a lifetime fitness in L.A. or something somewhere and just shredding the basketball court. And my one of my biggest – just regrets and obviously out of my control I was just not born with any athleticism any length and I look at the these guys and I'm just like man first of all it's the guys that blow their opportunities that are given those god gifted talents that make me the most mad I can't really get mad at guys like Patrick Mahomes that are going out there and using their yeah. platforms <laughs> for greatness but I saw that video I'm just like man the size the length it's just like anyway Let's leave that where it is. I just want to share that. But let's move on to our next game, Noah. Let's let's move on to the to one of our new segments. Our new segments. This is our new show, so every segment's a new segment. Did the other team win or did your team lose? All right. I'm going to start this off, okay, because we haven't talked about the Super Bowl yet. It's Tuesday now. Obviously, a Patriots parade going on today. I was watching a little bit of it. Uh, first impression, I've seen bigger parades. I mean, to me, I feel like Massachusetts, or New England fans are kind of just used to it by now. Um, but let, let's break this down for what it is. Did the Patriots win that game or did the Rams lose it? So I would have to say the Patriots won that game. Their defense was outstanding. And with the ability for Tom Brady to run the same play three times in a row yeah. to score a touchdown on the Rams defense, who had been playing stellar the whole game, taking away the screen pass and the deep ball, the only player they could throw to was Julian Edelman and... That was just the end of the game right there. That touchdown sealed it. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna hundred percent agree with you. I mean, the most boring and viewership wise, that was the lowest uh, viewership the Super Bowls had since 2007. Uh, I saw that the other day, and yeah, I'll 100 percent agree with you. A 10, a 13 to three game or 13 to six, I think was the no, uh, he missed that final. 13 to three. Yeah. Greg Zerloin shanked it left. Shanked but... it left on the on the final. Wouldn't have mattered nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. But I'll I'll agree. I mean, in the game, the amount of it that I watched, I watched the whole thing. I'm not gonna not watch the Super Bowl, but I started I started to get dozy eyed just because you know it was was the most boring Super Bowl I ever remember watching. Um, but I won't argue with you on that. Yeah, Rams Rams had their opportunities for sure. Um, Jared, I was reading an article this morning about how Jared Goff's taking a lot of this on his shoulders. I guess. Um, well, you're you're gonna have to anyway. You're yeah. the quarterback <laughs> of the the Los Angeles Rams, so but I'm not gonna argue with that. Let's move on to what uh, I like. I like your one here though. Let's okay. Listen so um, for me, this one was just. Uh, the worst game I've seen in a long time. It was NC State versus Virginia Tech. Yeah. And NC State scored a whopping 24 points. Ouch. And Virginia Tech had 47 points. 
But uh, you break it down a little more, and NC State shot 16.7% from the field, and Virginia Tech shot 36.6% from the field. So, Soma, how do you feel about this one? Just an awful game. I saw a shout-out to Peyton Barons who tweeted this out uh, while we were covering the Central Women's Basketball game here. Um, One of Central's players, Taylor Shaw, actually scored more points by herself than the entire NC State squad did. I think uh, that really puts it at all into perspective right there. Just, I've n- I've never seen a score so low in my lifetime before. I I really haven't. I mean, obviously at the the college ranks, you, you see you, the score isn't run up like it is in the NBA. So you see oh, yeah. the the forty to forties, but. Tw- 24 points. Well, yeah, and they scored 24. 12 each half. So it was like What 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 kind of offense are you are you are you running that you only managed 24 points? Coach needs to be fired immediately. That's my interpretation. Yeah, and the thing is is That's they don't even have a bad record. They're a 16 and 6 squad and so it's just how did they even win 16 games? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a head scratcher to me. It really is. I've been an NC State kind of fan. There's some players that have come out there. I was a big TJ Warren fan when I don't know if you know that name or not. He plays for the Suns. Not yeah, for really. the Suns, he's yeah. a small forward. He yeah. was, he was, and uh, and of course, Dan Smith Jr. Yeah, yep. Come, he was just him playing at NC State was not fun because he didn't want to be there. He just wanted to go to the oh, league. Oh yeah, one year and get out. Anyway, let's move on down the list. Let's go to our next segment here. It's called "Is That Cheating?" All okay, right. so the one I thought of for this, which is... Uh, Th- this this one opens up a whole can of worms, so go ahead. Oh, yeah. So this is a move previously made from uh, James Harden, the shooting guard for the Rockets, but Luka Doncic just did it against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I call it the double step back. And so I'm wondering, how is this not a travel, and is this cheating? Yeah, Luka, Luka Doncic really shares, I feel like, the, the offensive bags of so many, a lot of James Harden in him. There's a lot of James Harden uh, who I refer back to when we talk about any traveling call. Um, I saw the play, 100% of travel. Oh, yeah. 100% of travel. Uh, we have a big Luca fan. I mean, everyone's a Luca fan at oh, this yeah. point. If He's you're not great. a Luca fan, man, you you're not watching basketball. But there's a Mavs fan uh, in in this building, and I, I keep telling him, like, you know, your guy's traveling and carrying like up and down the court. And he's not that the crazy part about it is he's not getting called. He's already getting the LeBron superstar treatment at 19 years old. Oh, yeah. He's one of the rookies that I've seen so much praise from in a really long time. I mean, Ben Simmons kind of got that last year with his season. But Luka Doncic is just loved across the league. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, uh, we saw the, the hard and travel, the. The, so you take one step, you gather, and then in, but you don't have both hands on the ball yet. And then in the in the middle of your third step, you put the hand on the ball. So I guess technically in the ref's eyes, it was I was trying to break this whole thing down because when I saw the the James Harden three step back little move, I was livid. I was so mad that they didn't call that. And, uh, of course, the referees, uh, you know what else pisses me off? The referees having to come out on their Twitter pages and reaffirming the calls that they that they missed. Yeah, you know they I missed mean? quite a few traveling I mean, calls, being which a ref they're loose with. W- is one of the jobs I would never probably want to do. But come on, man. Oh, yeah. 
anyway, let's let's leave that there before I get even more mad. Uh, let's go on teams to that you love to hate and teams that you hate to love. I got uh, <laughs> I got a couple surprises for you, but why don't you go ahead because I like your answer. Okay, so a team I love to hate is the Houston Rockets. Hundred percent. They are somehow making a complete iso ball mess with coach Mike D'Antoni who somehow knows how to make no but like one player score a ton of points and a couple players get 10 you saw what uh what Kobe had to say the other day probably oh yeah Kobe comes Mm -hmm. out says you know this team I don't see how they could win a championship the hard offense one iso ball yeah is not sustainable he's absolutely right because when you're at the perimeter that you have the defense in front of you I mean that is completely 100%, you know, d- defensible. I don't want to, you know, that sounds like a yeah. bad, but anyway, you know what I'm trying to say, especially in the playoffs. But the counterside to that, you know, if Chris Paul comes back, Capella's back in half a month or something like that. Yeah. Um it might change, but you know, 100%, they're not going to win if if Harden keeps doing what he's doing. That's that's the crazy part. That we can't, we can appreciate what he's doing in the regular season, but we know it's not going to amount to anything. Yeah, and it was that. really interesting to me that Clint Capella was having, he's like this year, he's having his best year he's ever had in every statistical category. And now that they're without him, it's like, oh, we're going to start to win because we're going to put undersized Kenneth Fareed at center and we're just going to kick out to Harden every play. The, the Rockets are the definition of, a team that thrives on this buyout market. Kenneth Free has been playing some good minutes. Oh for yeah, him. for sure. A guy that's been on the bottom of depth charts for the last three seasons. Um, I'm anxious to see what this buyout market is going to bring because I know Houston's going to be rich on that. They could use that. I've heard Wesley Matthews as a guy that could probably end up there too. Because yeah. cross my fingers, Portland doesn't go for him because he's not the same that he used to be. Anyway, let's get to my teams that uh, I love to hate and hate to love. First off team that I hate to, or love to hate Golden State Warriors obviously obviously when when KD signed that contract I feel like the the impressions of everyone is and this will revert to our last segment is that cheating honestly you have a team of three future hall of famers and four future hall of famers if you count Draymond in there and it, I can't even begin to tell you the the frustrations I felt at that moment. But we're not even done yet. Then they have the audacity, the audacity to go up and pick up Boogie Cousins in the offseason for a one-year veteran minimum prove-it contract. Now they're running with the all-time starting five, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and they used to have one weakness on the whole entire team. They don't have it anymore. Which was... The post. They're, yeah, their center. But JaVale was there, and he's a good center. But I also looked at their bench was kind of weak when they mixed it through. But Steve Kerr's smart enough to be able to go, okay, we're going to have half the starters with this bench squad and then the other half with this bench squad. Yeah. And so now you add Boogie Cousins, who can shoot from anywhere. And that's great. The, the space they get to play with even more because Boogie's there because he can stretch. And just oh, like yeah. And he's like – He's a less physical Draymond with a better shot. Yeah. So it's like you're having another physical guy who can just bulldoze inside, get rebounds at will, and, yeah, this is 100% cheating. 
cheating to me. While I love to hate this team, I got to tell you, I also hate to love them. Because what you're watching is never going to be duplicated, in my opinion. Because the flack that the league and Golden State has got for masterminding this roster is is a lot. And oh, yeah. I, th- I think the league has taken notice to the extent where they might try and put some kind of rules in, or something in there that makes it so that you can only have, what, three or two max contracts or, or three tops all NBA players because – no one's beating the Warriors. Yeah, no this was really interesting to me because um, back oh, a while ago when Kobe and Steve Nash and Dwight Howard were on the same team, mm. they rejected Chris Paul to go to the Lakers. That's a great point. And yep. so I just feel there's going to be more of that kind of thing happening where they reject either trades or acquisitions because of certain talent levels. Because you want the league to be at least be competitive and for you to know who actually has a chance and for players on other teams to actually have a chance. This has hindered so many great players in this era from even thinking of an NBA title. I cannot wait for this year's postseason. I really can't. Uh, I can't wait to see Boogie in the playoffs finally. Oh, yeah. And the biggest part of about this for me is I've always wanted to see what Boogie Cousins could do in the postseason because the guy is just, I mean, post-injury, obviously. He oh, has yeah. not looked the same, 100%. Watching him play, get up and down the court, He's he's got some ways to go to get back in shape for sure. But it's going to be exciting. Well, we're we're rounding out the show today. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our last segment of this evening, and then the same time next week. No, are we are we down to do this as a weekly thing? Um, yeah, we could do this. Yeah, for sure, as a weekly thing. Uh, yeah, definitely, like probably a different recording time. I like but, it. Uh, you we're, know, maybe this time we'll figure it. We'll out figure out sure. a way to get you your weekly sports frustrations, nonetheless. But let's get to our last segment here before we we send it out for the day. It's called "Who Blew It." Okay, I'm gonna end with mine, so you go ahead and, and hit us with what you got. Okay, so we're looking at the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I look at this and I see, okay, you have Trey Burke, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway. They're all, you know, pretty decent guards. Courtney Lee's getting past his prime good veteran presence. Definitely past his prime, but a good veteran wing for sure. Yeah, like he can, you know, put up 15, 16 off the bench once Mm -hmm. in a while. You got Trey Burke, who will either score like 35 points out of nowhere or five points. Yeah. Which just, you know, you don't know what he's going to do. So he's a real wild card for me. You got Tim Hardaway. He's pretty average. You know, he can put up 16 pretty they, frequently. Apparently from what the Mavs are really excited to get Tim Hardaway. That was a big piece in that trade. Yeah, he, he was okay with the Atlanta Hawks, and he went back to the Knicks and played pretty well there. And so, you know, I think it's pretty exciting to have him. And then you have Kristaps Porzingis, who is a fantastic athlete. Unicorn. Yeah, the That describes unicorn. him the best. Oh, yeah. But the one thing is he's injured right now, and so you don't really know, okay, is he going to play the same way off this injury, or is he going to have something like Yao Ming where he gets hurt continuously every single year and his career is over? Great players. Okay, and now we're going to look at the Mavericks. The hall that the Mavericks sent away. So first off, two first-round picks. 
that's gonna be a, a lot for the yeah the Mavericks future yeah. first rounds have disappeared in the last in the next like three years so yeah and so it's a big deal because the Mavericks right now they're just playing with Luka Doncic and a couple other guys I mean they're gonna they're getting Tim Hardaway which could improve the mm-hmm. team but they're a lower end of the spectrum team right now because they're still in the building process and Mark Cuban's going to get a bunch of guys to get with Luka Doncic. So, I mean, the draft picks are very valuable right now because next season it's looking like Zion's probably going to the Knicks. So who won this trade? So for me, I would say at right now, I would say the New York Knicks won the trade. Really? Because you have DeAndre Jordan and Dennis Smith Jr. Uh-huh. playing right now for their team. I mean, they're not, they haven't started yet, but once they get in there, they're going to make a difference for actually playing, and Dennis Smith Jr. is going to have some good years with them. This is, this is the way I look at it, and I'll let you keep going. So obviously, the Zinger's not going to play this year. Mark Cuban came out and said that. I think that's a good call. Um, first off... I don't, from what I'm, because I assumed immediately when I saw DeAndre Jordan going to a cruddy Knicks team, oh, that's a buyout right away. But that's a large buyout. Oh, so huge. I think he's going to play the rest of the season there. Um, but this is a Knicks team that has, what, 11, 12 wins? I just don't see them. Well, first of all, the rest of the season, they they don't care about winning. Obviously, exactly. They want to tank it the rest of the way. They're all in. Um I'm gonna go on the on the opposing side just because uh, I'm a, I'm a big Mark Cuban guy. I always have been. I okay. always appreciate Amazon. He came out and he was talking about how he regretted not keeping Steve Nash and Dirk together longer. Oh, for sure. And when he said, and that's 100 percent true. If he kept those guys together oh, longer, championships, championships. Luka Doncic and Zinger is like the 2.0 version of that, and I am excited. And on top of that. It's already reported that Kristaps uh, and Cuban have agreed to sign the tender this offseason, right? Keeping the Zinger there one more season before cashing in on that big contract. So that gives the Mavs with some cap room to spend this coming offseason yeah. with a combo of Doncic, Zinger. Yeah. Um, they might move Harrison Barnes from what I'm hearing too. Um, That'd be interesting. I don't know. I Straight out though, I think the Mavs won that. But The only reason that I say the Knicks could have won this trade is because they have the ability to get two max contracts this offseason. So 2019 summer will know exactly who wins this trade. That that segues into my bit here for who blew it as we uh as we end out the show. And that's this whole Anthony Davis Lakers uh you know drama and I think that segues perfectly because I'm tired of everyone assuming that these major market teams are going to cash in on free agency in the offseason. I was talking to Mac from the Mac and Miles show here on uh, Sports Central and we were just talking about all the players that we could think of that have been linked to the Lakers in the last four years. Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, CJ McCollum, uh, Anthony Davis, Carmelo, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Every potential free agent that was supposed to end up in L.A. and didn't. Now, let's get back to who blew it here for the Lakers. Because you look at the, the, the news of Anthony Davis saying that he wants out, right? And then immediately the Lakers brass is meeting, just figuring out how can we do this, guys, right? Well, you look at your roster, you got that young core, obviously. 
you got the you know you can throw some first round picks in there. Is that young core as good as Boston's? Absolutely not. No, nowhere close right now. Close. And to me, Rich Rich Paul blew this for his client, or or it was the media that made it seem like that. But when that news broke out, it was the expectation and the the aroma around the Lakers that pretty much just made it so that the Pelicans literally are asking them to bark. Oh, yeah. Like a seal. The one thing that just is beyond me about it, though, is now Dell Demps has been given, you know, half the Lakers team in this trade for Anthony Davis. And they're like, oh, we'll also take Solomon Hill off your roster to mm-hmm. relieve cap space, which is actually a really good trade. Great thing. Yeah. And Dell Demps goes, okay, you're already offering me for two first round picks. Here's what I want. I want two more and two second rounders, and then I'll make it. And at this point, it's going to be, you know, I feel that Dell Demps is either going to blow it at this point for not taking the first trade, or the Lakers are going to completely blow it and give the Pelicans exactly what they want for one maybe two this players. This is slightly reminding me of the Carmelo Anthony deal where we saw an exchange of like 13 players uh, go forward. And this is where I'm at with it now. And uh, according to, to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, obviously, uh, the Pelicans aren't accepting what the Lakers are offering right now. And there's pressure coming from the Celtics to Dell Demps and the Pelicans saying, just wait till the offseason when we can offer you more pretty much. But here's the here's the kicker. Anthony Davis wanted to play last night, but management told him no, right? Yeah. So you are just thickening the plot for you to move him before Thursday's deadline because oh, how sure. are you telling this guy to sit if you're not actively still trying to trade him before Thursday? Well, and right now this, this uh, is a, this is a game of just wars between the Lakers and the Celtics, and I love it. I feel I like love it. He's not going to go to either team at this point. I'm not feeling frustrated. I'm feeling love right now. Oh yeah. So the one that's really interesting to me is the Clippers because that's one of the ones that he – Anthony Davis has kind of been like, oh, yeah, I could go to the Mm -hmm. Clippers. He was on that extended list. Yeah, Yeah. they could give away Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Marchin Gortat, Mm. and they would take Anthony Davis and Solomon Hill, and it would work perfectly. Yeah, Shea Gilchrist – or Shea Gilgis. Alexander. Alexander. Uh, it's a nice piece there, six six uh, point guard out of Kentucky. That's a, probably a piece that. But the Clippers apparently haven't offered anything yet, which is crazy to me. Yeah. I, I mean that's pretty outstanding. Nonetheless, two days remaining before we head out of here. Is Anthony Davis going to be a Pelican after Thursday? I'm going to go with no. You go with no. I'm going with no. Let's go. I'm going with no too. I'm excited. I want to see him go somewhere. Well, that's our show for today. We'll be back next week. Uh, Maybe not the same time, but don't worry. We will get you your fearless frustrations. Thanks for listening.